Welcome to Garden Church Podcast. We are in a series called Reconstructing Church. We want to talk about what it means to be the church today. How do we live out the mission of Jesus today with the cultural challenges we face in Christianity? The Book of Acts will be our guide as we learn to rebuild the church together in the power of the Holy Spirit. For more information, go to garden.church. Otherwise, enjoy this podcast. I'm just trying to get my feet uh, settled on the stage. I haven't preached on this for a while. It's been four weeks. That wasn't my plan. Um, But I was thinking about this, like in worship, how much I love being a part of a local church. We live in a moment where you can just download great teaching, the best teaching in the world on podcasts and kind of take a sermon that's disembodied from the local church. It's kind of a problem in my opinion because I, I think in our world we, we are searching, like you can Google um, you know, or find a TikTok influencer that can help you with your stress, help you with your anxiety, help you follow Jesus and get kind of like, you can just like consume the best content in the world based on your personal needs rather than covenant to a body where the word is preached, incarnated and embodied for a group of people that hold each other accountable. That's what the local church is designed to do with sermons. Like I don't write a sermon for the web. I write it for my people. And I'm in worship going, we're singing about this wonder-working God. Today I'm going to talk about the wonder-working church. I changed my title mid, mid, before I even started. <clears throat> Why? Because I'm in here watching my friends worship through suffering. I know some of you are singing this song. I was screaming it with you. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Because I need to tell my soul, which is riddled with doubt and unbelief and suffering and pain and crisis and the not yet reality of unanswered prayer, knowing that I don't feel it now, I don't emotionally get it, I, don't, I, I might believe it here, but I need to get my body in line. And the only way you can understand that is if you're in a relationship with people. And when that happens in a local body, the sermon, the gospel that's proclaimed takes on a whole new thing. I'm sorry for all of you watching online. You miss it. Because anointing comes in the room. Okay, this is all freebie, by the way. I'm just feeling this out. Singing these songs about God being holy. Singing these songs about cancer going away. How many of you have experienced healing in the last couple of years? Physical healing, emotional healing. Would you raise them up? How many, of you, how many of you, now keep your hands up. How many of you have seen miraculous healing in your life? Would you keep your hands up? Look around the room. So as we talk about the wonder-working church, we're not surprised by what we're talking about. We're simply reminding ourselves of the testimony. Some of you are here and you don't know the Jesus of Scripture. And let me, let me reframe. I'm going to start my sermon and I'll pray at some point because uh, he's here. Uh, we're, t- we're doing a series called Reconstructing Church. And I put some installations in so you can see right above you there's some tents. There's some in the fellowship hall. There's some exposed wall in the green room. All of this is for us. Reconstructing Church. You're welcome. 
We want to build a church that doesn't leak. We want to build a church. We want to build a church that looks like Jesus. You see, I think this is the problem today. Our current culture has a problem with church. We live in a moment where Christianity in the U.S. is at an all-time decline because and Christians are choosing to opt out of participating in local church. They're redefining what it means to be church based on their emotional preferences. And so the landscape of of our culture has all these things we're dealing with, deconstructionism, disassociation, disillusionment, distrust, and a serious issue of deep pain. There's a lot of church wounds in the world. We talked about this in the first Sunday where we started this series uh, from the great missiologist Leslie Newbegin when describing the Western culture a few, this is uh, a few decades ago. He says we have, what we have is in the US a, a pagan society whose public life is ruled by belief, beliefs which are false. And because it is born not at a, uh, not, sorry, and because it is not a pre-Christian paganism, but a paganism born out of the rejection of Christianity is far tougher and more resistant to the gospel than pre-Christian paganism with which foreign missionaries have been in contact during the past 200 years. Here, without possibility of question, is the most challenging missionary frontier of our time. We talked about this is a new frontier for us. Why? What's he saying? Leslie Newbegin writes, and I agree with this, that many of us have rejected a version of Jesus presented by a domesticated church. Not the Jesus of the Gospels who moved consistently in love and demonstrated the power of heaven. I think the problem we face for many of us, even in this room, is we have the wrong view of Jesus in our minds. Because the church has tried to meet us with our intellect. They've tried, we've diminished the truth of scripture, the boundaries within the gospel for life to reach people in love without demonstrating the power of heaven that brings transformation. What are we to do? This is the question that kind of haunts me as I watch my kids grow up in this church. Like what will enable their faith to maintain through the seasons? Because suffering is promised. Hardships will come. That is for sure what's the reality of life. If you live long enough, you're gonna grieve. You're gonna suffer. You're gonna, things are not gonna go as you planned. Life is hard. I always tell my boys, life is hard. You can do hard things. You're not in control. What will it take to turn the church around and reach this next generation? I I have some answers, but it's complex. But I think it starts with life change. This is not a surprise, and maybe you've missed this, but it's not gonna be our evangelistic crusades. It's not gonna be our great videos on Instagram, although I love those. It's not gonna be great content or podcasts. It will be life change. We need followers who look and act and serve and minister like Jesus. We need to make Jesus attractive to the next generation the same way Jesus attracted people to himself. We need to move in power 
and set captives free, bring hope to the hopeless, peace to the anxious, and love to those who feel unlovable. We need to have a heart for the hurting and the oppressed and bring healing to those people. Many of us here have been hurt by the church or we've been hurt by a shallow version of Jesus. A God who's angry and needs us to appease him. A God who's whimsical and fickle and needs to be co-opted into a response in prayer. A religious figure who's looking for us to perform. And when we perform and life happens, our lack of genuine intimacy and proper theology, we find ourselves being blown away by the winds and rains of suffering. So we need a better Jesus to follow, which is what we're here doing. You with me? This is my, my prologue to the sermon. I've been feeling this deeply because I know some of you are here and you just are trying to make sense of things. And at some point, Jesus is like a blind date. You just got to go out with him. That's terrible. I don't know why I said that. But it's good. It's true. It's the most, it's like jumping off a cliff. It's not like jumping off a cliff. It's like being set up on a blind date. At some point, you got to show up and watch this relationship unfold. Your aunt, all, of your thing, all of the things are not going to be checked on the box until you jump into relationship. Let's pray after that horrible illustration. Jesus, thank you for a church that laughs. No, Lord, I want to ask that you, you know what? This is not going to be a transitional prayer. Would you open your hands and let the God of the universe who created the cosmos and you woo you back to your true self. You don't need to perform. You don't need to have it figured out. If Saturday was a mess of sin, he's still here saying, that's my girl. That's my boy. Would you surrender to a God who's furiously in love with you? Who's running after you? Who's drawing you back? Inviting you into more? And the more you release, the more you follow him, the more you become the best version of yourself. All of the fear of becoming something that you don't want to be is caught up in, consumed by the love that is our God. Would you open your heart right now to the word of God, which is like a double-edged sword. You will feel conviction and freedom at the same time. You will feel weepy and joyful at the same time. When God moves and his gospel is proclaimed, it has the power to transform. So would you be right now here and nowhere else as good soil as the word is preached? And Lord Jesus Christ, I pray As I proclaim your word, bodies would be healed. Addictions would fall off. Mindsets and narratives from the devil would be uprooted and drawn to you. Deliverance would take place. You would release ministry, gifts of ministry. I pray that people would walk out radically transformed and this is day one of a new life in Jesus' name, amen. Let's just get the worship team. That was good enough. Um, 
If you have a Bible, let's look, we're going to go to Acts chapter 3. Can you just show me your Bible right now? Um, if you brought one, I want to see this. So, I love it. It's happening. Just keep it up. Let's go. If you don't have one, we would love to give you one. This is so great. I watch you walk in. I'm giving you gold stars. Somebody sent me a meme of what people look like when you have a physical copy of a Bible versus those who are looking on their apps. And it was like a snobby person looking down. What is it? Is it Twilight? Oh, it's from Twilight. Thanks, babe. I didn't know. It's from Twilight. Yeah. I'll send it to uh, Seth and have it up on the next sermon. Uh, all right. Let's frame our discussion. A world filled with pain requires a church that provides healing. A wonder working church. Acts 3 says this. One day, Peter and John, those are disciples of Jesus, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon, in case you were wondering which time, three o'clock. Now a man who was lame from birth, he's paralyzed, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Let's pause right there. I want to break down this text. We're going to read a little bit more, but I want to just process some things. I'm going to talk about the ministry of healing. I want to bring context to this, and then we're going to, we're going to end in prayer. Um, but I, I, we're talking about the kind of church we're building here today. I want to talk about a church that heals, a wonder-working church. And there's some context to this, but to this story, I love this story because of the characters involved. I want to look at the first character, and then uh, which is we'll we'll look at the lame man or the paralyzed man, and then we're going to look at Peter's side of the story in this and and frame our teaching from that. Does that sound good? So, on. The way, Peter and John were on the way to prayer, and there's this uh, guy who's paralyzed since he was a baby, uh, who is placed every single day outside of the gate beautiful, uh, which would have been on, his, on your way into the court of women in the temple, and he was placed there to beg for money, okay? So that's the story. I want to give you a picture of what the temple looked like in case you're, you haven't read this in the back of your Bibles, which some of you don't have that. It's hard to see, but this was, would have been the second temple around the time of King Herod when he rebuilt it. So in, I'm going to go over, look at this giant screen right here. Sorry about the shadows. Um, we don't have an LED screen, but anyways, let's just go. Um, just kidding. So this is the temple. This is the outer court. The gate beautiful is right here, number 11. So this is where the man would have been uh, as Peter and John were walking in. Right here would be the court. So this is the outer court for Gentiles. They, they were excluded from in here. This is for the women. The women could come this far. And then it's the Israelites could come here. And then the priests. And then the Holy of Holies with the high priest. So you have this, this structure for the religious people of their day that limited your access. Now, at the time, that this story takes place and even at the time of Jesus there was a debate on what was allowed because of a couple of texts now rabbis before the time of Jesus also took the Torah the first five books of the Bible and debated the access that people with blemishes had towards to the presence of God 
So Leviticus 21, this is in reference to the priests. It says this, the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, for the generations to come, none of your descendants, none of the Levites who has a defect may come near to offer the food of his God. No man who has any defect may come near. No man who is blind or lame, disfigured or deformed. No man with a crippled foot or hand. So there were specific limitations uh, for those serving God. If they had defects or blemishes, they weren't allowed to serve as priests. Now, oral tradition, the Mishnaic text, uh, used to debate, and we have writings that basically said um, there was an exclusion of blemished people from the presence of God. So but the practice at the time of Jesus, when John and Peter were there, people who were paralyzed, can you put that temple image back up? Sorry, I didn't plan to do this. They were excluded from going here and here. What does that mean? They were excluded from the presence of God. In a system that requires sacrifice, in a system that requires you to perform to receive uh, forgiveness of sins, you were limited because of the conditions you had at birth. It's a big deal. That makes this story even more significant. If we're talking about a character who's born this way, I just, I was thinking about this man and he's in our scriptures. What was the best day for him? Like if he was imagining what a good day looked like, being dependent on people carrying him, carrying him to the outer part of the gate to the present, getting close enough to the temple, the place where heaven meets earth. He can only go so far. The best for him was a couple of denarii, couple of bucks to get him through the day because he would do it again. Six days a week because he probably wouldn't be there on a Sabbath day. Couldn't carry someone on a Sabbath day. That's kind of, the, so in the mindset, I just, there's, there's a character here that I just want, what was it like for him growing up as a teenager, as a little boy, as his friends go off to play soccer or whatever game they would have played in the first century? Football. <laughs> just kidding. Do you want to talk about Football. It's a crazy game, yeah? The Super Bowl is nuts. That was a good game. I was watching it in a way that you should not watch it. In Mexico, with no commercials, it was all in Spanish. And they were, they were, they were designed for, for, you know, Chihuahua. And so I had to get up the next day and look at the best commercials. Anyways, that's moving on. But my point is, he's playing a game. He's just sitting there watching. As he gets older, he doesn't get to go to school. He's simply a dependent. That's the narrative. A man born with this condition. Have you ever had a condition that limited your ability to function? Have you ever had a loved one that had a condition that limited your ability to function? How many of you have prayed those prayers over and over again that this thing would just go away? I mean, where, where y your friends don't have the kind of burden that you have as a couple and you begin to bargain or compare and deal with the, the narratives and mindset of why does this happen to us? Why is it always our kids that end up in the ER? 
Why is it always, why is it always us walking through this suffering when so-and-so, they just have the perfect life ever? Why do we have to carry this? Why do I see in the history of garden this thing go away in prayer, yet we're still living with the unanswered prayer? Is, has anyone felt that? Has anyone said, like, just don't be my friend. I'm sorry, this depression has kept me inside. I don't want to be out. And so you, you, you exclude yourself from friendships from your, because of your condition? I mean, I just want you to feel, we can feel if you allow yourself to relate to this man's story. The best day he could have is a couple of bucks. But then what happens is something extraordinary. It is a wonder working moment in this, in this story. And I want you to see it because verse six, it says, then, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Oh, he wants to get some money. What I have, I give freely. And Peter, in the authority, in the name of Jesus, gives away what he had learned from Jesus. I love this story because it's one of the first miraculous stories in Acts. And I'll get to Peter in a second. It happens through Peter. And second, it looks exactly like Jesus. And what's the point of discipleship? To be with Jesus, to become like him, and to do what he did. And in this moment, this looks like a Jesus story, does it not? That's the point. The book of Acts is the continuation of the life and ministry of Jesus through the church. This isn't some radical thing. This is the norm for those disciples of Jesus that catch it. So it goes on and it says, uh, taking him by the hand. Oh, man. I'm going I'm to read it. Okay, taking him by the hand, right hand, he helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet because he's never jumped before. And he began to walk because he's never walked before. Then he went th uh, with them into the court, temp the temple courts. Can we put that back up? Then he goes from here into here because he's no longer blemished. There's a deeper story underneath the physical healing. There always is. And we're going to talk about that in a second. He jumped to his feet, began to walk. When he, uh, then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized that this is a dude that begs for money every day at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. But look at what it says. It says, walking, jumping, and praising. So a guy who can't walk, gets strong, and now he's walking. And now he's testing out this new Te uh, technique. He's learning how to walk for the first time and now he's jumping as he walks in praising God. I think it's a skip in my opinion. I don't know how you, you just jump and stand still. You're going into the temple. He's skipping praising Jesus because you know joy is contagious. And when you're filled with joy, you skip sometimes. And in this situation, he's going to the presence of God having experienced Jesus' ministry. It's a good story. This is the story. This is our story. We're a part of this story as the church. 
And I just want to frame a couple of things. I see this all the time, but the healing ministry of Jesus is um, uh, a, a story of holistic transformation. So when Jesus heals, he heals physical bodies. He heals your emotional and mental health. He heals your spiritual life and your relationships. He wants the whole thing. He wants your whole soul, those are the five dimensions of your soul, to be radically set on fire and transformed. That is his goal for life. Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, relational healing. And I think what happens is we can highlight uh, just the physical and not recognize that in the story there's also other healing happening. A man walking into the, the temple, there's a spiritual renewal taking place as he praises God. As he jumps, and perhaps I'm adding this to my language, skips, there's probably emotional and mental burden and trauma being lifted off of him. Can we assume this? Yes, that's not a far leap. I don't want to preach outside of the text, but that's not hard to see. And I've seen this. Like I've seen how God heals emotional wounds and then body parts are healed as a result of the emotions being healed. Therapists can probably testify to this. Like mental uh, uh, narratives being unlocked and healed can release physical bodies. We know science shows us that we store trauma in our bodies. And that even memories in our mind take up matter in our brains, physical space. So uh, it's not hard to argue. We should not be surprised that this is what Jesus comes to do. This is his ministry. In fact, N.T. Wright says when Jesus healed people, he intended it to be clear that this wasn't just a foretaste of a future reality. This was reality itself. This was what it looked like when God was in charge. God's kingdom was coming as he taught his followers to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Healing in the gospels and in Acts was and is the primary marker of the kingdom of God breaking in on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to say this. Healing now is reality itself. This is what he's saying. Healing that came in the life and person of Jesus is reality. Now, stay with me because this is where your inaccurate view of God messes you up. I want to give you some theology of healing. Can we do that real quick? So let me explain that. James chapter 5, there's this throwaway line at the book of James at the end, the uh, Apostle James. He says in verse 13, if you want to go there, you brought it. Let's go. James chapter 5. Let me hear those pages. Um, Hey, Seth, can you tell me how much time I have? It says six and it's just frozen and I don't know. It doesn't matter. I see the 10.07. It doesn't matter. Time doesn't exist right now. Let's keep going. Um, He's adding. Verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Matter of fact, the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James expects healing in the local church. 
There should be prayer. There should be forgiveness. There should be praise. There should be scripture. There should be some worship. There should be healing of the sick. There should be communion. That's what we should expect in a local church. How are we doing with that expectation in our life? We've been conditioned by programmatic consumer church to just get the, the word that we need rather than expect the presence that we deserve. I said deserve, and you're like, wait, what? Because we're in Christ. And our, our identity in Christ makes us worthy of all of it. We'll do a series on identity next time um, in the future. But so when, when, when James talks about healing, he has this biblical, or he has this perspective that it should be normal. Let me just give you this. This is my, my theology of healing in a nutshell. The ministry of healing is ordinary and normative. It's to be expected as apprentices of Jesus here and now, but it doesn't always take place. That's our theology of healing in a nutshell. You can take a picture of that. Now, there's a lot of questions that come up. I'm talking about healing. I wanna give you theology so you don't get lost when healing doesn't happen. That's where most of us struggle. I wanna talk about that in a second. I wanna talk about the kind of church that expects the now of the kingdom arrival. God's kingdom is here. His reality is available in Jesus to us right now. Healing can take place. And we live with the tension of the not yet. That his kingdom comes People get healed and set free and people still die tragically, still deal with addiction, still deal with a kind of trauma from their past that they never overcome that plagues their life. We, we are familiar with the not yet. Does this, let me give you a picture. So here's something, stay with me, you good? All right. Um, let's put this slide up. So here's why, uh, here's the thing. The Jewish community, when Jesus came announcing the arrival of God's kingdom, had this theology, this idea in their head. It was that um, they were living in what was called this present age. You guys, so the Jewish community, this is their, their, their framework. They were living in a time where there was sin, death, Satan. They were subjected to Rome and evil. They were living in rebellion, fear, anxiety, and sickness, like everything we're comfortable with. They were living in this time called this present age. And in the prophets of the Old Testament promised a time that's called the age to come or the day of the Lord. You guys have read it because you're reading the Bible in 30 days? <clears throat> Great. I'm just, you, know, you don't have to do that. Sinners. Um, age to... <laughs> Just, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, don't. I'm just kidding, but seriously. Um, so they believe God was going to act decif decisively in human history and bring an age to come. And if you read all of the prophets, they talk about peace, glory of the knowledge of the Lord, a new covenant, the resurrection of the dead, pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the restoration of creation, healing and wholeness, shalom, and the restoration of Israel. Like there was this expectations that God would come and act and you enter into this new era. So when Jesus comes and says it's here, they're like, yeah, but there's war. Yeah, but there's still not peace. Yeah, but Israel's not running all of the kingdoms of the world. There is like this lack of knowledge. But let me tell you what theologians have said. This is what happened in Jesus. So here it is. I know it's complex. Stay with me. One more chart. Here we go. So 
This is like going to help you with a lot of things eventually. So here's what happened. This present age, we continue to exist. It exists during Jesus. Jesus came here announcing the reality of the kingdom of God. Do you see it so far? So all of those things that were promised, healing, uh, resurrection of the dead, the uh, justice, peace, forgiveness of sins, the new covenant came in Jesus's life, right? He came, he lived, he died. And we currently live in this time the now and not yet, where God's kingdom is here, but we will come into the age to come when Jesus comes once and for all in the second coming. You guys good with that? So when I say we got to be good at being a church in the now, I mean we pray with everything, even as our friends are dying on the deathbed, for God to bring them back to health. When they die, we pray for raised to life, and then we live in the not yet. So we're praying with oil for the resurrection of the dead and we're bringing casseroles to help people grieve well. We have, this, is, this is where theology matters. Is it God's will for people to suffer? Of course not. He's not Freddy Krueger. He doesn't destine the suffering and genocide and slavery and human trafficking that is not in his consciousness or imagination for his creation. Genesis 1 and 2, he created us to live in shalom and flourish through relationship with him. But we have choice and we chose to operate outside of relationship with him. And the rest of scripture is him wooing creation back to himself. And where is he in your suffering, grieving alongside you, weeping tears as those things happen to you? He's wanting a relationship. Do you think he, will he use your suffering for good? Of course, that's the promise. Did he cause you to go through that because he wants you to learn a lesson that you didn't learn through something else? Where does that come from? What good father would ever will that on his child? Do you see the problem with theology? This is what Dallas Willard says. If we place our minds on God, the reality of God comes into our lives. This is why we must, <clears throat> we must be, pre- uh, we must, this is why there must be preachers and teachers because until our minds are informed by the right view of God, we cannot put our minds on God in the right way. The problem is so severe that when Jesus came, he essentially said, hey, forget everything you think you know about God. I'm going to tell you what he is like. It's the problem of wrong ideas. As someone said long ago, it ain't what we know that hurts us. It's what we know that ain't so. All, these, all the things that we know about God that ain't so destroy our lives, poison us, throw our lives off kilter and throw our bodies out of an inappropriate relationship to reality. Wrong ideas about God make it possible, impossible for us to function in relationship to one another. We're not able to love one another because we do not have our minds filled with an accurate vision of God. How are we doing, church? Thank God there's good preachers in this world. Bill Doctrine's one of them. This is true though. My view of God was inaccurate for so long that it caused burnout, it caused sickness, it caused unhealth, it caused a breakdown in relationships. My values based on my view of God were wrong. He would never cause me to sacrifice my family for the sake of mission. That's the wrong view of God. 
and it took Pastor Bill and great dead theologians and authors to help me understand what was required, but it also took not just right ideas, it took encounter. It took me encountering the power and presence of God and surrendering my lies, which I didn't know were lies, and submitting to an, a better or more accurate view, a more biblical view of God. And when that took place, when there was community to hold me up, when there was right belief and the power of God combined in my soul, I was released. Some of you have the right ideas, but you've never had the encounter to set you free. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to make your life witness. Are you guys good? Last week I was preaching with a translator so I could think a little bit more before I spoke. Really appreciated that. <laughs> she was great too. She's one of our worship leaders. She was amazing. Um, so that's what healing ministry is about. I, wanna, I have a couple more thoughts because I want to talk about Peter real quick. So the question then is if um, this is for the church, who gets to participate in the healing ministry of Jesus? Can you give me an answer? Everyone. Great job. So, and the reason we know this is because of Peter. Like, I know you look to scripture and you're like, oh, it's the apostle Peter. He's the rock, you know, oh yeah. Do you know Peter's story? Like Peter, of all the people that could have done this, he's the last guy you anticipate doing this according to the text. Like if you follow him around in, in, uh, in the Bible, you see he is by far the most imperfect disciple there was. He was regularly getting things wrong. In Matthew's gospel, there's this moment where he's like, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, what? This has not come from you, Simon. This is from divine revelation from the Father. Wow, he was shocked. And like, if you're Peter t keeping notes, you'd be like, I finally got it right. Like, oh my goodness, let's go. But it's the very next moment. Jesus is like, hey, I'm gonna go to the cross. I'm gonna die on the third day. I'm gonna raise again. And Peter's like, no, you ain't. That's not how the story goes. That doesn't match my expectation of the Messiah. You can't do that. And then Peter, the blessed one from the Father, is immediately rebuked by Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. This is who Peter is. He has no clue. He's getting it wrong. And then they're at dinner. He's like leaning and he's like, I'm not going to betray you. And, and Jesus goes, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And sure enough, warming himself by the fire, he denies Jesus three times when Jesus needed him the most. He is a failure. Anyone here failed a couple of times? Anyone here failed to do the thing that we said we would do? Oh, especially to God. You're like, I'll never do this again. And it's like 30 seconds later, you're like, oh, frick, I don't know what to do. I won't do it now. And then it's like the next day. You're like, I'm going to delete the app. And then the, somehow I just got to check one thing and the app's back. You're like, how does he know me right now? I don't know you. I know sin. I know imperfection. I love Peter. Because in a world where it's like, your wounds with a platform like a podcast make you like some type of divine curator of the future church. 
the church has always been led by wounded healers. The church has always been led by imperfect people. That's the beauty of the gospels. There's so many stories. Like John and Peter are racing to the resurrection and they're debating who got there first. Like in the highest moment of human history, Jesus is raised from the dead. The author wants you to know John got there first. (laughs) Sibling, like what the heck is going on? It's exactly it. Imperfection, failure, brokenness. The church that heals the sick is also a church that holds space for the sick. A church that heals the sick is also the church that leaves space for wounded people to grow. A church that is passionate about the now is comfortable in the not yet, knowing that we are not saved by our works. We're saved by grace. So therefore, let us be inclusive for all the burnouts, the broken, the addicts, the sinful, because we are all those people too. So as we press towards the now, we hold space for the not yet. We hold space for our brother who has a couple of hours of sobriety. He's included in the gathering. We have space for the guy who failed and then has been restored to now proclaim the gospel on Pentecost Sunday. That's what I love about Peter. 50 days earlier, he's denying Jesus. Then a couple of moments later, 50 days later, anointed with the Holy Spirit. No one says, Peter, you should do it. He just stands up. Why does he stand up? Because in Mark's gospel, it says he sat down to warm himself on the fire as he denied Jesus. He will never sit down again to deny Jesus when the opportunity comes. What empowered that? Brokenness, restoration, a journey, and the Holy Spirit. Not a Holy Spirit out of context. A Holy Spirit in context. A Holy Spirit that knows the wounds he needed. John records, do you love me? Three times. Do, it's not, hey, Peter, will you build my church now? Will you go be an evangelist? Will you go do the things that I did in power? That's not his commission. Peter, do you love me? Not build a platform, be an influencer, write all these books and do a conference because you became good at the things that are associated with me. No, do you love me? That is the qualifier for leadership. church stop stop consuming you got to see through the bs doesn't mean we're perfect but it does mean we're going after the things of jesus in humility this church will always be led by imperfect leaders because that's the history of the church it doesn't excuse spiritual abuse sinful patterns of behavior toxicity i'm not saying any of that is excused but i do believe when we become a church that reaches the next generation, it's because we both see the power of heaven now and we walk comfortably in the not yet. That's what my prayer is for us. I just know the amount of not yet in this room. Thinking that we gotta show up here and be all now? Like the not yet, we're saturated. We're, 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 we're filthy in the not yet. And we come in here with that kind of shame. And it's like that kind of shame is straight from the devil. That's not who you are. You are holy. You are saint. You are set apart. You are blessed. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are a child. You are more than a conqueror. You're all these things. And you're going to walk in here, the temple of the most high, thinking you don't know who you are because of the cross? Come on, church. You're called to do the things of Jesus wherever you are.
I got a bunch of other notes. I'm just going to stop right there. The invitation is this. Let's just be church. Let's just be the church that Jesus expected us to be. Walking in the not yet, suffering in brokenness and walking. I'm not saying this dismissively. There are deep wounds in this church. There are some of you that are contending for an answered prayer and it's been years of unanswered prayer. You fast, you pray, you've done long fasts, you've, you've done all the things and there's still this massive grief. I'm not here to put a stamp of be happy in the now. I'm here to say that sucks and we need to learn as a community to sit in it with you no matter how long it takes. We're good at like the moment. We're good at like somebody dies, we're, we're good for a couple of days, but we're not checking in our brothers and sisters that are still grieving out their first Christmas or their third Christmas or the 30th Christmas with that loss. Let's be good at that. Does this make sense? Yeah. Babe, does this make sense? Yeah, I, love, I just care for her approval. And let's increase our faith. When I started this church, I'm just gonna share it. I knew the Lord wanted us to see miraculous healings. Like he, in, in the original, my sense, the Lord was gonna just, when I was like a little kid, he was like, there's gonna be miraculous healings that you cannot define by anyone. It's just gonna be a thing that happens and it will be expected. Like what will happen is people will just come, people will be healed in worship, people will be healed during teaching. It will just become the norm. Like this is a place where people just get healed. And uh, I just wanna encourage you to go for it. I remember a pastor from Santa Barbara. Uh, have you guys ever heard of Jesus Burgers or Isla Vista Church? Um, my friend Jason, he, I came back to faith through that ministry, so I love that ministry. But he was down here, we were talking about this story of healing because we were seeing all these healings. And I was like, why don't we go on a walk and let's go find someone to pray for. And he's like, okay, because I was teaching it. And I'm like, it's like talking about a bicycle and like looking at all the mechanics of the bicycle. I'm like, let's just jump on and go, you know? So we found someone limping, pushing a cart. And I walked up and I was like, hey man, um, you know, what, what's going on with your leg? And, and I'm thinking, man, he rolled his ankle. You know, that would be a great starter prayer. Like maybe some tendons, like, I don't know, like a recovering broken bone, that would be fine. I got, I had cancer in the heel when I was a child and I've always had this limp. Oh, okay, great. So in that moment, faith level, boop, I'm like, it's true, it's very true for me. It was like, all right, this isn't gonna happen. But I've been taught to pray, I've prayed for him. His name's Jamal, I was like, Jamal, how does it feel? He's like, Actually, it feels a little better. I'm like, okay, don't be nice to us. You know, zero to 10, 10 being what it was before we prayed. Where is that? He's like, it's probably a seven or eight. I'm like, oh, wow. And this is like, like lifetime pain. He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, can I pray again? By the time we were done, he was running back and forth up the street. I was like, I was like, let's go pray for some more people. Let's go. Like, this is last week. We were in uh, Chihuahua and we were doing this outdoor like evangelistic thing, playing music at a coffee shop. Amanda was singing Billie Eilish. It was awesome. Great job, Amanda. Um, I was like, are we, is this lip singing going on right now? What? I couldn't believe. It was awesome. But we were just doing this outreach and then one of our elders, Zach, came up and he was like, hey, I had some words of knowledge about healing. And I'm like, this is not the place for that. I don't think we were planning on this, Zach. What are you doing? Like go back to Orange County, like whatever. That was what I was feeling in my heart. Everyone he prayed for got healed. Uh, to a degree, like tumors, a woman felt like 
tumors decreased. She had stage four cancer. We're waiting to confirm. A woman who couldn't lift her arm, this was lifting her arm all the way up. A guy who's a referee, a professional referee who had an Achilles um, damage was, was walking and jumping on his, on his leg that he couldn't walk. Like it was absolutely bonkers. Like one of our guys was having like prophetic words for a cartel leader. Like it was just like, this is the church. This is the church. Church. This is who we are. Let's pray. Will you guys stand with me? I had so many other good points. I'm just going to say this one, one thing. This is a good point. One thing I love about this is that the healing was an interruption. Like, it wasn't like they were walking to the temple for healing. They were going for prayer and they got interrupted, just like Jesus did. The difference between them is that they were, they were expectant of God. I think one of the greatest distractions or greatest issues we have in seeing the ministry of healing is our distractions, is our inattentiveness to the, the, what God wants to do. Like, it's not, hey, we're going to, you know, heal paralyzed people every time. It's like, I'm listening to the voice of God at the gym to see if there's anyone I can encourage today. I'm going to be gentle. How much should I tip this person? Maybe God wants to bless somebody financially because you're there. There's a million ways, but the problem is we're so distracted. We don't even know what God wants to do. So that was a separate point. There you go. So Father, come Holy Spirit. We open our hands right now and open our hearts to you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at garden.church. Church.